Hey everybody, my name is Alex, and you're listening to Lunchbox Radio. And thanks to everybody who listened to my episode on Black Clover. I noticed that hilariously Giguk of internet anime and YouTube fame did a video on Black Clover not being bad anymore. And while I don't agree with him, I will say there's a reason I watch that show week to week. Um, but I do agree with his assessment of that show being, um, done in the mold to a detriment of other, of the show, of the big three shonen shows that I actually talked a lot about on that podcast, um, because it is broadcasted week to week instead of the season structure that something like My Hero Academia has, um, but I'm also, if I seem a little off my game, it's because I'm using a totally different um, recording technique right now. And I've got a metronome in my ear, which is really unnerving. But I'm going to turn it off because it is really unnerving. But um, I'm just happy that people seem to have enjoyed and indulged in that episode I am also happy because I got to go hang out with my best friend from college, Lauren. Hi, Lauren, if you're listening, but I, I'm not offended if you're not. Um, <laughs> but um, we hung out. We attempt. We so he, here's how an afternoon went with us. We attempted to watch the Full Metal Alchemist, the live action movie. I think I talked about that here. Um, and that dumpster fire was weird until we got to the shower Tucker segment of the movie. And she was like, we don't need to relive this. We don't need this in our lives again. And I promptly paused it. And then we watched Bright for an afternoon. And Bright is just a thing that happens to your face. And then you've watched Bright. Um, if you don't know what I'm talking about, Bright is a sci-fi. I want to call it a... Modern day fantasy movie starring Will Smith and a guy in an ogre in ogre makeup. But um it's a it it is solidly okay in a way that is borderline oddly bad sometimes. Um but it's got some great lines like You want a titty bar gunfight die? Cause we we gon' titty bar gunfight die is probably the best line in that movie. But, um, yeah, so we watched that, and then we also hung out and played a lot of Dragon Ball Z Fighters one night, and that was just the most fun, because it was just, that game is, it has an ease to it, even with the normal controls, that makes it just kind of fun to play, and fun to just jam on the buttons and watch stuff happen, um, but yeah, we, we did a whole bunch of rounds of that, one of which we played as all Vegeta, all Goku teams, in which we basically, like, in our monologues, but out loud, each character, it was, it was a lot of fun, but, um, yeah, so, that was what I've been up to lately, but we're not really here to talk about all that, we're here to talk about a older show, with just one of the best opening theme songs ever. Also a very good ending theme, which is, believe it or not, more than a little wide shoes of the show, because I gotta go find those things. And I I like doing ones where I like the opening. And that show is Trigun.
So, for those of you who haven't seen Trigon, or you've heard of it, which you've undoubtedly heard of it if you haven't seen it, uh, Trigon is an odd show. It's it's like a... The, be the best comparison to draw to it is actually the worst comparison to draw to it, and that is... It shares a lot in common with Cowboy Bebop. Not in writer, director, or even voice actor, although I'm sure there are some familiar voice actors in the dub of um, Trigon if you watch Cowboy Bebop. It's a show that is made with a Western sensibility. And what I mean by Western sensibility is both thematically and definitely visually. So the idea behind Trigon is basically... We fucked up Earth real bad, so we went out looking for Earth 2, and we found a planet that we decided to call Gunsmoke. And Gunsmoke is a planet that, for as far as you can tell, is just basically Westworld, but an actual planet, if that makes any sense. So the whole thing is just a big desert dirt ball, and... At least at the beginning of the show, you're not led to believe, you're not led to understand that they, that humanity ended up here by mistake. You're led to believe that um, they came here, per that somehow, A, you're not led to believe that this isn't Earth until I forget what episode they mention, like, they call the, pl they call the planet Gunsmoke, and you're like, oh shit, this isn't Earth. Was there an Earth? Um, but on this big dirt ball, gun smoke, there is a there are there are two main things that you're there are two things that you're introduced to. The first thing you're introduced to is a character, the main character of the show called named Vasta Stampede, and Vasta Stampede is. In, in Legend, he is this, like, hulking tower of a man who's supposed to be 13 feet tall and, like, wields a giant gun and he wears red and he's called the humanoid... He's called the humanoid typhoon because he destroys everything around him from what the, from what the stories say. But the reality is much different. In reality, he and oh, and the, I forgot to mention they mentioned that he's an ex, he's an expert gunman, and that'll come into play later. If you've seen the show, you know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, um, spoiler warnings as always, but you're in for a ride. So Vash Stampede it knows the humanoid typhoon because he destroyed everything around him. But the show makes curious note that. He does that. It doesn't usually kill everybody. It it gen generally everyone every human is left unharmed, but the surrounding landscape is just decimated. Um, and you. But when you meet Vash, the f the first meeting you have with him is a bounty hunter has finally figured out who the fuck he is. They have chased him, they have tracked him to this bar, and they unload, they unload millions of bullets into this bar. I mean, it is like Swiss cheese to the floor, and just bullets going everywhere, and Bash is just sitting there trying to have a drink, and just like, they finally shoot his glass. He looks down, looks at them, and you see that he looks nothing like the stories. And the stories, you haven't heard the stories by this point, but you will hear the stories. And there's this big, giant man with giant earlobes and a blonde mohawk. And he's got this massive boomerang arm. And he's thrown this boomerang, taken the bar off, and the his henchmen have all switched cheese the rest of it. And that and you just see Vash stand up. And th this is really one of the better anime openings I 
openings to an episode I think I've seen ever. He stands up, takes his giant gun out of his out of its holster in his big long red duster jacket and you just hear the hammer click and it goes and you see the tight and you see the black title screen. And I think the first the first episode is called the sixty billion double dollar man, which I so I love a lot about Trigon because it's by no means a perfect show. Um, I have an animated friend. It is actually my friend, one of my friend Lauren's favorite anime of all time. Only it was ruined for her by her now shitty ex boyfriend who went to school with us and was in the animation department. When he stopped and he pointed out, nothing in that show actually moves. And for the most part, he's right. There's not a whole lot of movement to the show. There's there's tricks of the eye to make you see, like, oh, stuff has moved. But there's no, like, there's not a whole lot of animation. But what this show does really well is it, is it takes this style and theme that it's running with, and it constantly doubles down on it. You see that from, like I, from, like I just described, minute one of the anime. And you see that even in the little touches, like the fact that things are not, that the currency is not the dollar anymore, it's the double dollar, and you see these two dollar S's everywhere. And just the way that it makes a Western, it makes a movie Western world for the character to be in is really, it's just really inspired because it, like I said, it takes the theme and it stretches it out as far as it can. And now it, it ultimately adds on sci-fi elements as well, which we'll get to in this podcast. But right now we're at the we're at the end of the first of the opening thing, and I want to take you through this because it's important for the perception of the character going for for the perception of the character of Vash going forward. And you go back to the episode, you go back to the episode, and you see Vash hiding. And you're like, wait, I was led to believe that we were gonna come back and we were gonna see this big fat bounty hunter dude dead to rights and him just taking on the other hundred lackeys. But no. He had no he had no he had no ammo in his gun. So he freaks out, scuttled away like a crab from what I remember. And they <laughs> Proceed to have a very comedic, very, like, very odd hide-and-seek chase scene that is just, it's very funny, it's very inspired, and it, but what's interesting is it also runs completely parallel to the rumors that you find out are out there about Vash the Stampede. And the way you find that out is eventually we run into these two insurance women. These two, or the things that the dub called the insurance girls. Millie and Meryl. And Meryl is this, like, and they're both these bureaucrats. But, that, but because Gunsmoke is the way it is, they both have weapons. Meryl, I think, has, like, a million little pistols. Uh, but Millie holds this, carries this Gatling, this Gatling gun that doesn't shoot bullets. It shoots like ultra high stopping power, like foldable rolling chair feet. Or like it, it shoots out. So when you shoot a bullet, it like springs open to three prongs and just like chest tackles people, which is really satisfying because. It doesn't kill them, but they're not getting back up for, like, a good couple hours because they just got, like, battering rammed to the chest. Which is just... It's it's a really satisfying idea for a gun that I enjoy. 
But they're the insurance girls, and they work for, I forget what the name of the insurance company is, but what they work for an insurance company that has basically insured all of Gunsmoke for, uh, since humanity has gotten there. And they have sent these girls out to find Vash and monitor him and minimize the damage because they're paying out such high... I love this, like... The other thing I love about this show is that... The show seems like part of it... Meryl and Millie's characters seem like they're functioning in the world based solely on a weird technicality of reality as we know it, meaning that the insurance company has decided that this guy's costing them too much money, so they're going to send two of their employees out to find him and stalk him and monitor him so that they can stop... So essentially they can stop having to pay the claims because the main reason that the insurance claims are being filed is now under quote-unquote under control. And it's just, it's just such a great, stupid, minutia moment. It's, it's kind of, it's not kind of inspired. It is inspired. But so, um, push come to shove, they encounter Vash, and they're just like, who the fuck is this guy? He's a weird pervert who's obsessed with donuts. And they were told that he kind of liked donuts, so they brought donuts along. But... Like, he's obsessed with donuts, and he's, like, this weird pervo, and they're, like, this, I, I, and they're, like, I refuse to believe who he is, and they refuse, they kind of refuse to believe who he is until they encounter exactly what he does, and basically with single shot, he disarms the, like, robo arm, the robo boomerang arm guy, and... Uh, he he sleight of hands the robo boomerang arm guys like main screw, so the boomerang guy freaks out, breaks his own arm, and the boomerang crushes his partner, who you then find out is like a totally is an other guy, and then they kind of believe it, but not really. It takes them, I think, until episode maybe five, where. They truly believe that he is Vash to Stampede. And at the same point, one of the insurance girls is slowly falling for him. Millie is... Millie falls in love with him. For lack of... I mean, she falls in love with him. But... What you don't know when you're introduced to him is there's a reason he's wandering alone in the wasteland. And that is, Vash has a younger twin brother. A guy named Knives. And Knives is hell-bent on destroying humanity. He has... He, and he has enlisted a... Ragtag is not the word. Crack team. Which usually doesn't mean they're a crack team. But a crack team of assassins. To A, kill Vash. And B, to not kill Vash but ensure that he acts as, like, a destructive force to destroy humanity and, from what you're led to believe, the planet. And the reason that Knives and Vash are capable of doing that, because they're both capable of it, is because they aren't human. They are what's called seeds. And... In this, in this planet, on this planet, you are introduced to the idea that they have these big power plants that they simply refer to as plants. And the idea behind the plants are it's basically this big light bulb, and they are and towns and cities rise up around these plants because the plants are the remnants of were created at some point, nobody really knows what point, from the remnants of these ships that humanity came in. And the plants are often 
highly protected by the government and no one's allowed inside them because they are these big alien things. But usually it's like a moon arc with like a light bulb, with like a giant light bulb sitting out, sit, like hanging off of it somehow. And that's how humanity, cities and towns in humanity get power. So the, and inside of these plants, inside of those light bulbs are beings called seeds. And they're essentially what you're led to believe, genetically altered humans. So what essential what you find out later is that bash and knive woke up early they are seeds that woke up seeds a seeds are were never really supposed to wake up but they woke up early from the during in space travel most people were put in cryostasis until they got to whatever planet dust ball to the dust ball they were apparently going to Except for the crews of these various ships. Only in their ship, in Knives and Vash's case, they woke up in early in these ships. And they weren't supposed to be, they aren't one of the members of humanity who were put to sleep on purpose. They are genetically altered clones, basically. That's why they look exactly the same. And... So, long story short, a bunch of things happen on that ship that cause Vash and Knives to divert from each other. Vash becomes this peace-loving, kind, kind, goofy soul, and Knives becomes this nihilistic, very angry, spiteful revenge-driven person, and it all revolves around someone who is basically their mother figure dying. I, for I forget the exact details, but that's the gist. Um, and so, when they land on Gunsmoke, these two are just kind of, they just kind of let loose into the universe. And Vash goes about his goes about the world and he is a avowed pacifist. He doesn't want to fight. And you see this in the way that he does fight. Because Knight one of the task knives has given the gun the gun the gun ho guns, who are the assassins who work for him, they he has given them the task of making Vash be serious and making Vash fight for real and making Vash lean into whatever rage is there so that he will trigger these mass explosions. And it happens a couple times. And so the thing you learn about Vash, the thing you learn about Vash eventually is that he has two guns. He has this big... Silver, he has this big, like, a big normal gun and this big silver gun that's got these flat panels on it. And it, it looks like a gun, but it doesn't look like every other gun in this world. And he has a real arm and a fake arm. And the fake arm houses this, houses this kind of, like, power mechanism thing that eventually his arm turns into this massive cannon and, like, can mushroom cloud blast an entire, like, uh, you like to believe an entire, like, New York City-like presence off the map. Just immediately. And the and Knives' idea is that he can do this his brother can do this. They can take out humanity and they can assume they can repopulate the earth as it is supposed to be somehow. Who knows how. And also, there is the idea in Knives' head, and Vash understands this to be true as well, that 
they, since they are seeds, the plants are in action, are as an activity enslavement of seeds like them. It's 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 essentially like if there were two black people who were freed slaves, and all the other slaves were powering tread were running on treadmills, powering people's houses. If that makes any sense. That's the, that's the gist of it. So. The whole show is, becomes this push and pull between. These three characters. Is that these three different characters. One is Vash. As a pacifist. The other is Knives as this like puppet master, nihilist, evil, ultimate bad guy. But then the third is this character in this mold that is very specific to the 90s. And it's a character named Legato Blue Summers. And Legato Blue Summers is a telepath who likes to, as a hobby, go into his villages and tell the village to kill each other. Just plant psychopathic mur murderous intent in people and let the village wipe itself out. And he's he's the head of the gun of the gun ho guns. And this is kind of the and this is the pace the show eventually hits. But it also has these really interesting meditations on things like violence, on things like love, on thing and uh, on things like why why people who are drunks become drunks, and it's it presents this fascinating idea of cause and effect. So I think it, I think it's episode five, where you meet where Vash's gun has broke. Well, Vash's gun is on the fritz, so he goes to this town, and he's looking for this gunsmith, who's this world renowned, who's this gunsmith. He's known all over Gunsmoke, and he's like supposed to be the best. So he's like maybe he can fix my gun, and he finds him, but the gunsmith is. A drunk now. And he just... He never stopped drinking. He's a total, like... He's this total wayward loser. And... He lives by himself. He's an older man. And it's really kind of pathetic. But two interesting things happen. The first thing is... Bash eventually starts drinking, and Vash starts to drink in the same way that the gunsmiths start to drink. And the gunsmith eventually tells Vash his story, and he says, I used to, be ma I used to make guns for everybody, and I uh, made guns for the police, I made guns for people who wanted to protect their homes, I thought I was doing the right thing. I thought I was. And this is really interesting, especially in current, in the current world, in America, which is, funnily enough, the place this show took off. Um, despite the movie, the um, Badlands Rumble, um, Trigon Badlands Rumble, coming out, like, fully six years or some crazy shit after it was made, Trigon didn't hit its stride, really, until it was shown in America. America is the one that picked it up and ran with it. And, that, and if you've ever seen the show, the reason for that is really because it, it has such a Western sensibility. It has such an understanding of what Westerns look and feel like and function like that... A, a Japanese audience that doesn't have a history with Westerns 
would probably struggle with. I mean, I and I'll get back to the um drunk guy in a middle in a minute. But when I was a bunch of years ago, after college, but before now, I went with my friend Kia to Central Park to go watch a movie in Central Park because every year they do these move. They have these movies. They get a right to a movie and they show it on a big projector in Central Park. And with Animal House. And if you've ever seen Animal House, you know Animal House is a classic American comedy movie. And I was having so much fun. The entire audience was having fun. But Kie was... My, my friend Kie was perplexed. She didn't get it. I'm like, Kie, what, what's wrong? She's like, I don't get why everybody's laughing. I don't get why it's so funny. And that's when it hit me. And it hit her too. This was an American comedy geared towards American moviegoers. Then and now. The same is true of something like Cowboy Bebop, which didn't have a big showing in Japan when it was first released, but had a huge showing here because it incorporates so much of the Western sensibility that we as viewers are used to, and the Western style of entertainment, if that makes any sense. The same is true of um, Trigon, but Trigon is significantly more... It has a significantly more Japanese bend to it than um, than Cowboy Bebop, which at best can be seen as kind of multicultural. It's like it's not Japanese, it's not American. But I, the interesting thing about the drunk gunsmith is that it has this inherent is that his story has this inherent cause and effect. And his story is, I'll start over again. He says, like, I used to make guns for the cops and all of these and all of these people. I thought I was honestly doing the right thing. And I, you know, I made guns for people who wanted to defend their homes. I made people guns who need them for a dangerous job. On and on down the line. It, he, he talks about guns and gun ownership. The way you would expect, and I'm going to get a little political here, um, the way you would expect a gun rights advocate to talk about them. But then he does something interesting. But then something, the next part of his story is interesting. And then he says, I made a gun for a guy who I thought was a real nice fella. And eventually, he turned out to be a robber. How was I supposed to know? But he robbed the bank that me and my wife, me and my wife and kid were in, and he killed my wife and kid. So I made a promise to myself then and there that I'd do two things: I'd go out and get drunker than I possibly can, and I'd never make another gun in my life. And this is this is an interesting character moment, especially even if he's a folk, uh, uh, what I'm going to call an episode-focused character, and this show has a lot of those. Um, he is a... It's a unique, soulful story in this... And one of many in this kind of hellhole of a world. In this kind of Rock to its core. No, the haves are certainly the haves, and the have-nots are certainly the have-nots. But the have, the upper crust of society is far removed and far, and has so much more wealth than everyone around them. So, what's interesting here is you hear this everyday man's story and where his where his actions intersect with reality and where it breaks apart his life and it's this truly sad moment but it's not like crying sad it's like a sad stillness comes comes over you and the atmosphere of the show in that moment 
and later on you real and later on in the series much later on you real you learn the stuff i told you about vash in the beginning of this episode which i wanted to give you so you see this point specifically bash would started drinking too as soon as he had an excuse to start drinking he did and it's led to believe that he always drinks too much he is never like he has one drink he always overindulges and the thing that Vash says when he encounters the gunsmith and he realizes he's a drunk, and Millie and Millie and Meryl are like, this guy's a drunk. And he says, you know, usually the people reason the reason people start to drink is because they want to forget about something. In the gunsmith's story, you realize what he wants to forget about. And then, in that moment, you he becomes this sympathetic character because he's no longer just this drunk who may, who the stories may or may not be true about because this show has taught you that you shouldn't trust all the rumors you hear. But he becomes this person who all the stories were true about but they left out, but all of those stories left out the most important part. They left out the stories of once he got into town, everyone corroborates the stories and says, yeah, he was a good, he was an amazing gunsmith, the best there was, but now he's a drunk. But nobody knows why. And that's because everyone knew him as this amazing gunsmith. Nobody really connected the family, his family to him and his anonymity in that way created this misunderstanding about why he became a drunk, why he no longer makes guns. And the episode ends with Vash convincing him that he should fix Vash's gun by stopping these bandits who are, while this story is going on, these bandits are, like, controlling the town. He stops these bandits by making a finger gun under, under his coat. And the guy goes, what would you have done if they shot you, you stupid moron? He's like, I don't know. I didn't really think that hard about it. I just saw... I saw people in danger and I had to do something. And Vash at his heart is a just person. And he and they do this stupid stupid thing where he makes a peace sign and he goes love and peace. And it is the most only love will stop the killing thing that you have ever seen in your life. But it's, uh, it shows that, it shows the drunk gunsmith what Vash, what Vash is really trying to do, the reason, and it shows him that Vash has reasons that he must need his gun fixed because he, if he, if he is so peaceful and so devoted to being peaceful, to need a gun to be able to fire a gun, he must have an amazing reason that is greater than himself, other than to just walk around with a working gun. And that is... That, in, in that moment, you see not just the core of the drunk character shine through, but the core of Bash shine through. And throughout the series... You see Vash struggle with trying to be a pacifist, trying to avoid taking a life, and trying to avoid firing his gun at another at another human. And you see him, and you see him struggle with it in a real way, in a way that he doesn't always succeed at. Eventually, he does kill someone. Eventually, he does cause massive property damage. Eventually, all the bad things happen, but he's 
doing his level best to live by his own code and move through the world in a way that he believes is right. And that's really, really important because he is the, because of the way the world functions around him. The world is pretty uniquely odd. And it's, it, you end up seeing that the world is oriented to make him not do that, to make him be a bad person. And you, you, so you're going through the world, and so you're going through the show, and you eventually encounter a character who is as iconic as Vash himself. And he is this buddy character turned villain turns buddy character. And he is Nicholas D. Wolfwood. And he is presented as this preacher carrying a cross. Preaching the world of God across the land. But in reality, he is a, cha he is, as the show I think describes at some point, chain-smoking, deadbeat asshole. And his cross isn't a cross. It is a giant cross-shaped gun. It's basically a giant cross-shaped armory. That he lugs around with him. And if you haven't seen Nicholas D. Wolfwood. Or, or if you've seen a cosplay in a suit. With a with sunglasses on. With a big old cross. That's what they're cosplaying. And in the show. He is like the mythical. I think seventh member of the gun of the Gunho Guns. And, but he is also instructed by Legato and Knives to travel with Vash, gain his trust, and rip him apart from the inside. But this guy is really a, the, he's a complicated guy, and he, he eventually grows to be f real friends with Vash, and he, he and Millie, the, long-haired insurance girl fall in love and he eventually does his best to help Vash stop Knives which you find out is his ultimate goal you're you're led to believe that he wants to kill Knives that his only kill his only ever kill will be Knives ultimately but you learn later that he wants to stop him. That his goal is to stop Knives, not to kill him. And Nicholas, at one point, was a true man of God. And you see that in him later. But he cast it aside for whatever reason. I forget the reason. They detail that out. But he uh, becomes this pivotal this pivotal character for Vash and he at the kind of the second half of the series spurs Vash back into action from being a kind of lonely old farmhand and helps him to do what he needs to do and 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 ultimately he dies and that's what truly sends Vash into a rage and I think spurs him to kill the first person of the show so far. And it, it's a really it's a really emotional, kind of heart-wrenching scene because they make it very clear that these characters are best friends. And they make it they make you think about what kind of pain it would cause you if your best friend died in front of you, because of you, and in spite of you trying to stop it. And it, the show does a great job of meditating on pacifism, on pacifism, 
and on practicing what you preach and on the reality of what you preach being feasible. Because it's not... Vash is seen as naive by all the people around him because he won't fire his gun, because he won't, you know, intent, because he won't fire his gun to hurt someone. He won't fire his gun to kill someone. He won't, he won't engage in confrontation. But what's ultimately seen in the show is that uh, it's not that he doesn't engage in confrontation is that he tries to find the least confrontational way to stop to to stop and figure everything out and to find compromise in a world it what gunsmoke is where the compromise where if you have two people the compromise is one is dead and that's just not it's just not the way the world can continue to function and truly be. And ultimately, in the end of the show, they have an amazing gunfight between Vash and Knive. And this entire time, you see this... You see Vash, and you see... And to some extent, you see Knive building up these little tricks of the trade... Where they have these like gun these tricks for fighting, and like they'll tie thread around their fi- like Vash ties thread around his finger and his gun so he can tug his gun to him when it- when he drops his gun, and these tricks are all they they're all established and they're never forgotten. So and it's similar to actually the first half of something like Dragon Ball Z. In Dragon Ball Z, they use the same anime up until the Cell Saga, which is where Akira Toriyama kind of disappeared for a period of time, really until Super. Um, you see... Those characters use the same moves consistently every time. And it is almost the same animation, copy and paste it. Probably the same animation, copy and paste it. But what that gives you is it gives you this basis to form a fighting style for each character. And this show does that very really well with Vash and with all the other characters. Is You've seen them do something once, you'll see them do it again and again and again. So you can add it to your mental to the mental list of, okay, if this happens, he's going to do this. And if this happens, this other character is going to do this. So it makes the, it makes the fights really engaging in a way that <sighs> is not common for anime. Anime likes to forget what it told you five seconds ago and they focus on this flashy thing. Another show that does a great job of this is Yu Yu Hakusho because it gives him... It gives him one main power that he then expands on and turns into other powers. And then once they've kind of stretched that out, they add another thing, they add another power maybe. But there's always the... They're, it's always building blocks, building on one another. And the same is true of Vash, certainly, in Trigon. Um... And that's actually where I think we're going to end it this week. Because I said everything I kind of want to say about Trigon as a whole. I wish I could tell you where to go find this freaking show. I think it's on... Um, I think it's actually on Hulu. I also think it's on Funimation. So check those two places. It's an old show, which means it's um, not six... 16 by 9, it's a 4 by 3 aspect ratio, it's it's a bo- it's a letterboxed show, um, if that doesn't bother you, definitely check it out, um, but that being said, I have been Alex, this has been Lunchbox Radio, if you like this podcast, please 
click on the link in the description and subscribe to it on your app or your podcast app of choice. You can also hit the um support this podcast button in that link to give me like 99 cents a month and I will keep doing this whether I, regardless of whether I get that or not but if you want to show your appreciation that way you can do it that way you can also rate and review me on whatever app store, 5 stars, all that stuff but until then talk to you next time